Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I am Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. That's Daiwa, Daiwa Reels. They are the best. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one hour podcast each and every week. It's available anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget, uh, you can always catch us at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded and produced at two separate studios in Northern Illinois. We ship the audio down to our buddy, Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions. He's down in Lando Lakes, Florida, a fishing paradise. Thank you, Brad. We appreciate all of your hard work. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Going to talk about ice safety. John Cruz, longtime Bassmaster Elite Fisherman and also the owner of Missile Baits. Gosh darn fine plastic baits, uh, Missile Baits are. Uh, he's going to be talking to Dave, talk about a number of things, uh, the industry, what's going on. He's got some things to say about the past year's Bassmaster Classic. And then I'm going to visit with Brent Crow. He's a uh, Bassmaster angler, a major league fishing angler. He's done it all, but he's never done anything like what he did this past weekend, winning the Major League Fishing Toyota Series Championship presented by Guaranteed Rate at Pickwick Lake. Come from behind victory. Excellent job. He cashed a check for $235,000. Can't wait to talk to Brett Crow. Hey there, Dave Kranz. How you doing? Come on, get in here with Dan Johnson. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Take it away. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And we talked to Dan Johnson last week about uh, introduction to ice fishing. We have him back this week to talk about ice fishing safety. Welcome back, Dan. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Boy, we had a good discussion last week about introductory to ice fishing, and I think we'll probably help some people that maybe are a little nervous about getting into it. But uh, as you mentioned in the beginning of last week's segment, you said safety was first. And, and uh, let's talk a little bit about that. And that's not for just beginners. That's for everybody out there. Uh, some of the precautions we should take uh, you know, fishing on safe ice, having the uh, equipment if somebody goes through, how we can help them or ourselves. Uh, a lot of things we can mention here, isn't there? Yeah, there is. You, you know, and it is number one. It's first and foremost, I would say, in anything we do, if we're talking about bow hunting or bird shooting, wing shooting or whatever, it's always safety first. And, you know, with, with regard to ice fishing, safety really comes in a couple buckets. It comes in the, the safety of the ice itself. And then also things we can do to prepare ourselves to be safer uh, once we get on safe ice. So what I mean by that, let's start with safe ice. You know, I'd rather have, you know, three to four inches of good ice than 12 inches of bad ice. And what do we mean by that? Um, the quality of the ice is it can be a visual thing. You can actually see it. It's that real good, clear uh, stuff that just comes off with nice white shavings when you drill through it bad ice is very porous it's almost looks honeycombed it's 
sloppy slushy in other words super early in the year super late in the year like in south coves where the sun travels and the winter hits that all day long sometimes north coves will freeze well almost all the time north coves will freeze better uh, with the exception of a spring or something like that but we we want to make sure that we identify and be on good safe ice number one and then secondly um with regard to safety for ourselves you know spikes on our boots are huge i always always take a rope with me always whether i'm alone or not um it just doesn't hurt to have that usually it's about 40 foot long um same one i used to climb up in a tree stand so it's very strong yeah uh you know and you can look at uh um I always wear uh, a float suit. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have one. I know a lot of people that start ice fishing don't, but that's an amazing invention. And, you know, learning how to walk on ice too, I think, and this sounds basic. People are saying, why is he saying that? Well, you don't lift, you don't want to lift your feet real high and do these big steps and walk fast. Just be cognizant of the fact that you can be walking along ice. And if you hit a little spot of ice, that has water on it. It completely changes the slipperiness if that's a word of that ice big time and i've seen more people fall to get in that military march cadence next thing they know they go from snow to rough ice to all of a sudden something that's like stepping on a banana peel so just i think being aware of things like that are really important um you know and most important is the safety of the ice but also some of these things we mentioned to uh to make ourselves safer once we get on safe ice yeah, and I think if you see somebody out there already uh, that's fishing and, and it's questionable of how they got on or where they got on, you ask them, say, hey, where'd you get on? By this dock, by this spot, you know. Uh, and certainly if there's snow out there and you see other anglers on the lake, follow the same trail. If their tracks are there, then that ice was probably safe. You know, once once we get to, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12, 15 inches of ice, uh, you know, you, they drive cars on 8 inches, so... Uh, it, that's that's real safe and and uh, uh i i know they used to uh cut ice on the uh, crystal lake where I, I live here where the town where my bait and tackle store is at and they told me they used to put a, a train car on the ice at six inches but they would only fill it halfway when it was six inches of ice when they would cut ice and and once it got to eight they could fill it the whole way so that you know that holds a lot of weight but uh uh Definitely safety, safety first. You said uh, creepers and you said a float suit. Now, this is real easy, too, that if you're if you're not sure or you're going out um, on ice, you know, you can pull the life jackets out for yourself or the kids out of your boat and just wear one of those. That That's better than not having anything on. I, I like the rope idea. That's that's good. And then have you used uh, or probably have them? I've never had the opportunity to have to use them, which I'm glad. The picks of life, that, that's a great thing to have. Yeah, I actually wear them around my neck and they go together. I just completely forgot to mention it. Little blaze orange things on a little coil uh, connector. They got a little spike on them. I haven't had to use them either, um, which is a good thing. Uh, but, you know, and I, I would also say one thing to be aware of is whenever there's a exposed tar, let's say like a boat dock or a log or a rock bank or something, there's some instances where those targets can absorb heat. And that ice that butts right up next to that target can be very thin. And once you get a foot or two away from it, it's eight inches. It's amazing. So I think we ought to be aware of that. Like boat docks that have black floats under the docks are a notorious example of that. Because that black float absorbs heat. It's one of the reasons why they hold so many big crappies down Lake of the Ozarks in the late fall for that reason. But, you know, ice fish 
fishing down on a reservoir I live close to. I had a guy step off the dock and went through in his foot, and we were drilling in six inches, yeah. ten foot away from there. So, you know, just little things like that. But I, and the last thing we want to do is scare people because it's a very, very safe sport. It's like anything we do. It's an ounce of prevention and understanding the environment that we're in can avoid ninety nine percent of this of the unfortunate situations that can arise. And if you have a lake. Uh, find out from the local people that live there, are there any springs on this lake, natural springs? Because I have a lake close to me where I live. There's been about three snowmobiles in 20 years that have gone through the ice. And Dave, it's been the exact same spot, same spot. And it's a spring. It's a great fishing spot in the fall, but it's a spring that comes into the lake and that ice freezes thinner there. Yeah, and you got to be careful of that. Uh, one thing that I've had some of my guys do, they'll they'll come in early, and I know there's only a, an inch of ice or an inch and a quarter, and you know, too skinny to walk on. But but they're coming in and they get nice fishing bait. And these guys are drilling holes on a dock, and they'll drill three or four or five holes on the dock, and they just hole hop from hole to hole. And many times they catch crappies and bluegills before anybody else is on the ice. They're ice fishing, but they're standing on a dock. Dock, and and uh, I. If you got to get your fix early, that that's one way to do it, isn't it? It is. It, actually, we've done that before. We've gone down right before it's frozen, where there's skim ice out in the middle of the lake, and it's still open, and sit on the dock and drop straight down. And it works really good too. But I, you know, I can't overemphasize how fun it is. You talk about feeling the thump or getting a. You get a 12 inch crappie on a rod that's 24 inches long. It's a whole different experience to have a crappie actually whoop you. You know, it's, it's so much fun. And then also to be able to do it, we'll do an, an episode on electronics and, and uh, strategies and things like that because uh, it's one of my favorite ways to fish. Most people are thinking out there, boy, it's crazy. It's so cold. It's really not if you get in a tent. Um, and some of these tents, you can either borrow one or at least the big thing is just to get the wind off you. You know, and so in other words, put your back to it if you got a little bit of wind and just hunker down over that and your lines out of the wind. And it's it's just it's an awesome way to fish. It is. And one of the safety tips that I have to have to give because the most accidents I've ever heard is with people using their auger and not replacing the blade guard and somebody grabs it or somebody falls on it and and um, they give some um, really bad cuts and you're almost always going to need stitches if you if you uh get cut by a you know the blade on it on an ice auger uh, so make sure you're putting they come with covers they come with cover straps if your strap breaks they are available rebuy one put it on there uh, you know bungee it on there whatever you have to do but don't leave that uncovered sitting on the ice and i i think uh i definitely have heard more accidents from that than anything i i think we also could include on on safety uh, uh proper clothing and you know fishing out of a tent it, the elements can be can be bad too. Yeah, they can. And again, if it's blowing thirty mile an hour and it's fifteen degrees, we're not going to go ice fishing outside of a tent. I mean, obviously, there's times when you're in a tent. There's also some of the most amazing days have been up in the Upper Mississippi River, sitting on a bucket with twenty people around you, and it's one of those beautiful days where people are fishing in hoodies, and it's just awesome. So, of course, it goes without mention that, like anything we do. The elements are going to dictate what we wear and what kind of protection we have around us or whatever. But, you know, as long as we adjust for that, 
It's it's very very doable. I mean, one thing we don't want is our hole freezing up all the time, or our our ice getting in our guides all the time either. So whenever it gets below freezing, or if it's around freezing or slightly above and windy, I'm in my little one man tent. Because once you get the wind off you and the tent's black, it absorbs just a little bit of heat, and that line thaws and you get the wind off you. It's a completely different game, and you're going to catch a lot more too. Oh yeah, just a windbreak is uh, amazing to be sitting behind or in. And uh, yeah, sometimes people that have the one-man tents, they don't even put them all the way down. They just break the wind and have it up, you know, halfway uh, above their head there and uh, makes a, a world of difference. But uh, yeah, there's so many more things that we could definitely uh, talk about. But, you know, last week we talked about many of the introductory things. And at least today we have covered the basics of of being safe and... and uh, Probably the easiest way to to learn this and be safe and everything all around is is get out there and go with somebody that already does it. So check with your neighbors, see if they ice fish, or if you know they do, get out there the first time with them. Like anything, I think that would be a good advantage. But uh, always good stuff, Dan. I uh, look forward to the next time we get to talk. Yeah, same here, Dave. Always appreciate having a chance to be on. Excellent. That was Dan Johnston, uh, brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. One of my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say the guests I have on this segment have a passion for the outdoors, and my next guest, uh, Mr. John Cruz, certainly has a passion for the outdoors uh, as owner and president of Missile Baits and a professional fisherman currently fishing the elites. Welcome back to the program, John. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, no problem. You've been on before, and then uh, we've seen each other at uh, shows for quite a few years, whether that's iCast or dealer shows, and, uh, you know, 
John's uh, fishing the elites, but I actually want him to talk about uh, missile baits and being a manufacturer and being a manufacturer in the U.S. right now is a, is a big deal. And uh, you make so many different products. I mean, you, you know, it, it, I, I can't believe the, uh, you know, the, the quivers, the baby D-bombs, mini D-chunks, you know, regular D-bombs, netball heads, everything that you make is kind of unique in, in its own way. And, and I'm sure that's by design, but... Uh, uh, what came first, professional fishing or the tackle business? Oh yeah, um, definitely the definitely the uh, professional fishing side. And I uh, when I started the you know pursuit of becoming a professional bass angler, I I always knew that that it was going to lead me into some other business interest. And you know when I was starting out, really the only thing that was obvious to me was uh, television shows. You know the Jimmy Houston's, the the Bill Dances, the uh, Hank Parker's, you know, I, I figured, you know, the tournaments would lead me possibly into doing something like that. And then I realized that's not where I wanted to go. I didn't think that the future was there. Uh, and then uh, a handful of years into becoming a professional angler, I got the opportunity to design some baits for the Spro Corporation. And really, I love that whole process of the design, uh, prototype, and then the promotion portion. And I figured, you know, I want, I want to do this with soft plastics. And then, uh, lo and behold, I ended up starting my own brand. And, uh, and then here we are 10 years later, uh, Missile Bates uh, running, running this company. Yeah, and, and that, that's a good thing. I, I think a lot of people uh, don't realize that most professional fishermen do something else in the industry. Uh, uh, many of them do, uh, you know, as well as pro staff for different companies. But uh, a benefit to you is you get the pro staff for your own company and, and use your baits. And <laughs> you're doing a commercial. You are on television when they're filming you on the elites and you happen to have the camera on your boat that day. Uh, th that's a, a great opportunity, isn't it? Right, it, it is. It is. Um you know, I don't have to pay myself a pro staff retainer uh, <laughs> because I, I've got a, so much invested in, in the company as it is. But, um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, you know, to have, to be on both sides of it with, with Missile. And, and the best part is I, I, I just design the baits that I need to fish with out on the Elite Series. You know, I'm, I'm you know, as, as time goes on, I realize, man, I need a bait that does this. I need a bait that does that. And, and that's what we end up designing and, and and that's what we come out with. Yeah, because uh, 10 years ago and before that, mostly before that, there wasn't a lot of... Uh uh, spinning equipment on the deck of anybody's uh, <laughs> boat fishing professionally, was there? Yeah, not, not, it's definitely become more more prevalent. You know, even, um, you know, probably five plus years ago, I, I, I remember talking with uh, Kevin Van Dam about, about this exact thing that we're talking about and how uh, bass fishing has changed. And, and it started to change about 10 years ago or so, and definitely over over the last 10 years, it's really kind of evolved to where if you want to, if you want to be a professional angler and you want to be able to, to cash checks and you want to be able to catch fish on a bunch of different bodies of water, you, uh, you need to be adept at, at, at finesse techniques I mean, without a doubt. I don't care what lake you're, I, mean, I don't care if you're talking about Lake Fork. I mean, you need to be adept at, at some finesse techniques to be able to, to make it all happen. Yeah, and I think some of those techniques have helped guys even in the southern waters, like you say, Lake Fork and other places. Uh, when you get that high pressure day and it's it's tough fishing, uh, well, now you pick up that spinning rod and you ended up, you know, many times finishing your limit or getting a limit because of the finesse techniques. That's right. You know, I mean, you could you could roll up on a four or five pound bed fish and you can't get them to eat anything regular, and 
you throw a tiny little bait in there and on a spinning rod and you can, and you can catch them. Uh, I've done it before uh, a number of times and, you know, the, the fish are just getting more pressured and sometimes you have to drop down with line size and bait size to, to get them to eat. Yeah. And uh, with the, the series, the, the elites uh, going to different places, you say you design baits that you need. And, and that's kind of right. neat, too. Over the last 10 years, you know, they switched that around a, a lot. And, you know, you, you get a lake that maybe you're not as familiar with. And so you design a bait for it. What a, what a benefit there is to that. Yeah, um, you know, a good example of it is the uh, the missile baits quiver. It's a it's a straight worm, but it's kind of a longer version of our little Ned bomb. And I designed those because I needed something to put on a Tokyo rig and to fish on a Neko rig. And I, I uh, you know, six eight years ago, I started experimenting with the, the Neko rig, and then maybe maybe like four years ago, I started fishing the the Tokyo rig. Quite a bit, and and there, I just felt like there was not a good bait to fish on those two rigs, and so that's that's really kind of where the where the quivers came from. I needed something a little beefier body, but had a lot of action when you were just barely moving the bait. But, and so that the you know the quivers, the six, the four and a half, and the six and a half. That's exactly what I needed. It just it filled a need for for me, and I think it filled a need for a lot of other anglers too. And for those listeners that don't know uh, about either of those techniques or those rigs, they, you can certainly go to YouTube and see all kinds of videos on them. And and uh, I would recommend exploring both of them. I I think the uh, Tokyo rig is a um, it, it it finds its places that you get to use it. Sometimes uh, uh, use it in places that you would uh, use a drop shot, but maybe you have uh, too many too many. Uh, rocks or weeds or heavier cover you can go to using that tokyo rig and and maybe upgrade in uh, line size and it doesn't make any difference it seems with that rig and and that will help uh, some of our listeners catch more fish won't it absolutely you, you hit the nail on the head you can you can go up on line size with the uh, tokyo rig uh, you can use a bait caster with you know 18 or 20 pound test and you're you're not going to impede the action of the bait no no all all good things so uh how long have you been fishing at the pro level? I've been fishing full time for since the fall of two thousand, so a little over. Uh, I guess now we're looking at twenty one years. Yep, that's that's a long time to have uh, a great career that you had. You had a pretty decent year last year, right? I did. I did. I made the Bassmaster Classic. I made uh, qualified for my thirteenth classic. Looking forward to that. Going back down to Lake Hartwell. I, I like that lake. Yeah, we're going at first week of March, which is. A little bit later than we've gone in the past, but uh, I think that the year that, that Jordan Lee won there was about a week later, so not not too far off of that year. And uh, I think there'll be there'll be plenty of different patterns working, and and it'll be uh, I think it'll be a good tournament to watch. Yeah, and the uh, a week in that time of year. Uh, the weather could be similar or totally different due to the moon phase or or just weather right. patterns, the crazy weather that we've had and the, um, some, they're getting these, you know, rainfalls and everything that are heavy and winds. And ev- it definitely is a uh, a challenge every time. And, and I think sometimes people say, oh, it's going to be just like this or just like that. But it, it's never just like the same as it was before, is it? Right. It's, it's never the same. You can go uh, you can go to the same lake 10 years in a row the same week. And I promise you, it's never going to be the same. Uh, it just, it just never is. There's water change, water depth d- differences. Um, you know, weather is going to be different. Uh, it could be, 
you know, heavy wind and there's all kind of stuff that goes, that goes on. It could, uh, could affect things. And, uh, you just, it, they're fish, man. They have fins and they will use them. And they move, yes. Uh, let's not get away from, uh, you know, you obviously Missile Baits, your own company, uh, uh, you're self-sponsored there, but uh, who else keeps you on the water? Yeah, I, I've, um, I work closely with the Spro Corporation. I have for uh, for over 15 years now, and, you know, I've designed over 15 baits for them that, that are still currently on the market. I mean, most of them are, are crank baits, uh, the Little John and Fat John, line of crankbaits, uh, but also done a spy bait with uh, Spin John. Uh, we've done that. We're going to expand. We've got got a couple other baits in the works, and uh, that's that's exciting. We're continuing to grow the line there. Uh, but then, you know, companies like Cash and Rods made in the USA. Uh, they're right down in North Carolina. I was just on the phone with the with the owner there a, a few minutes ago, actually, and, and uh, just talking about new projects, talking about, um, you know, company, their companies are, you know, about the same size as missile baits. And, and so we have a lot of similarities there. We, we talk a lot of business stuff uh, together and, and that's just kind of a unique relationship. Uh, but, but, you know, basket boats and, and Mercury been with them for, for quite a long time. We've got a great relationship with Rick Pierce, uh, still running the, running the show there and, and does a fantastic job of designing product. And he, he does a lot of stuff for the industry uh, behind the scenes that, that people never know about. And that's, that's just a cool, uh, cool relationship to have as, as well. Yeah, yeah, and excellent lineup of, of sponsors there, and uh, I'm sure they're very glad to have you as you have them. Uh, any, uh, on the Elite uh, Series uh, this coming year, are there any places you're, you know, pretty excited about that you guys are going to? Uh, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see about uh, Lake Oahe. We're going up there to, you know, South Dakota, and we're going, I think it's over 100 miles, I think about 140 miles up lake from where we went uh, a handful of years ago four or five years ago when we went there the fishing was pretty tough on that very lower end but apparently the fishing is a lot better in that upper portion the guys i talked to four or five guys that went up there and pre-fished this summer before um you know while they still had time and they said it was uh really really good fishing and and i that one's definitely one i'm looking forward to but uh that daggone thousand islands it is uh it has handed me my butt the last three times I've been there, and that's probably the one I've got circled on my calendar to make sure that I have a really, really strong event. I want to make day three minimal, and, and I'd, you know, a good redemption for me would be to get a top ten there. Yeah, that's a good goal to have, and that is a phenomenal fishery, and uh, it, year after year after year it produces, and uh, uh it depends where you go out of there, too. If you're going out of Clayton or if you're going out of Messina or Waddington, that's a long run to get to some of the places, depending on when you're there. But sure. uh, but it, there is so much water there. But uh, I, I think all of it has, has you know, big smallmouth in it. You just got to get the right five every day and, and, uh, and do what you can. But uh, uh, any anything, uh, I've got a, uh, just about a minute here, but anything exciting coming up in the missile bait lines that, that – uh, you know, the uh, listeners should be looking for down the road? Uh, well, we've got, uh, we've got a couple projects in the works. I'm working feverishly to try to get uh, one of the two of those ready for the, uh, the classic. And, and then we also have another uh, project, if you will, uh, to, to release at the classic. So I'm trying to, trying to get as much stuff to really kind of, to kind of blast out there at the Bassmaster Classic in March. And, and then uh, between then and, 
the iCast show, we I would expect to have a couple really cool, interesting baits that are going to be released. And I think I think people, uh, are, if you like catching a bass, you're going to be excited about these these projects we've got coming. So, uh, so just stay tuned and be sure to follow Missile Baits and, and my you know John Cruz all my social media. We do the Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, and and also uh, Instagram. Excellent, excellent. Looking forward to uh, interviewing you after the Classic, and hopefully uh, uh, that'll be because you're the winner. And I, I thanks uh, for being on the podcast again. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I can't, I can't wait. I'm looking looking forward to it. Um, you know, might try a little different tactics this year than I've tried at Hartwell in the past, and I will see if that pays off. Excellent. He is John Cruz uh, from Missile Baits and the... Uh, uh, quality fisherman from the elite circuit and look for him on the Bassmaster Classic. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. The uh, segment here is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. While Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV, the Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. With us now is a guy who uh, is just coming off of an incredible win. He is the champion of the Toyota Series of Major League Fishing. Uh, Toyota Series is presented by Guaranteed Rate, and the event was held at Pickwick Lake a lake that uh, our guest has some familiarity with. Please welcome Alabama Pro Fisherman and Toyota Series Champion, Mr. Brent Crow. Welcome, Brent. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're quite you're quite welcome. And, and I love the story of this tournament and, and what you did. It, it says so much. 
First of all, I, I'm sure everybody's talking about this. Your phone is ringing off the hook about everything, but I, I got to think a lot of people are saying, hey, Brent, you just want $235,000. Uh, can, can, can you float me a little till payday? <laughs> yeah, I, I've had a lot of friends come out of the woodwork in the last few days, but uh, they're all just teasing, of course. Oh. But, I mean, it has been... It's been overwhelming, all the calls and texts and messages that I've gotten. I mean, at one point, Saturday night, I looked at my phone. I had 166 unread text messages, and they were coming in faster <laughs> than I could reply. So, oh, but, I mean, it's, it makes you feel good. I mean, you know, even better with when all your buddies and, and people you hadn't heard from in a while. And even I had a couple of people that won the Bassmasters Classic text to me, and I'm like, wow, you know, that's pretty cool. Heck, it's absolutely, absolutely wonderful. It's uh, it's amazing, and I'll tell you what, you know, uh, we we talk a lot about about winning and 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 money, and uh, I remember uh, Scott Suggs, the only guy to ever win a million dollars on a tournament. The one year they had a, a million dollar tournament, he won that. But there's all, all kind of you know hundred thousand dollar prizes, and, and uh, uh, I don't think that people realize you can win two hundred and thirty five thousand dollars. Getting yourself into the Toyota Series—that is really impressive money. Uh, when you think about what you're up against in a Toyota Series, isn't it? Oh, it is, and I mean, you know, only the the Red Crest and Bassmaster Classic pays more. And if you if you think about how many—and this is only the second year the Toyota Championship has paid this much. So there's only like 50 people in the world that have won this much money being a bass fishing tournament. I mean, that's that's pretty elite company, and I'm probably the worst fisherman of all of them. But <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool to, to know that and, and to have that opportunity. I mean, I paid three entry fees in the North Division this year, about 5000 and then got a chance to win 200 I think I wound up at 247.5 with contingencies and all that. So, I mean, you know, you don't get – Obviously, there's not that many opportunities to do this, so to, to win it and and all is really special. And I mean, the money's great and all that, but I mean, just you know, winning it, winning the championship is just about as special as the money to me. Oh, for sure, for sure, it, it is absolutely fantastic. And uh, I, I really don't want to beat the money thing to death, but I, it, I did notice uh, looking you up on the internet, you are a realtor by trade. I am actually a full-time fishing guide, part-time realtor, and build houses part-time. I've got more licenses than most people ever thought about, but you know, I'm, 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 my first priority is, is guiding. I guide about 180 days a year, and and uh, you know, the guiding is great. It, 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 I, guiding is the reason that I won the championship. Honestly, I mean, being oh. on the water every day, learning stuff. I mean, you know, when you're out there every day, you've got to put your people on fish and and you got to adjust and you, you know you can't go if it's if the conditions aren't right i mean you, you can't say well we're not going to go today i mean those, you know i've got people that come from all over the country and they expect to catch fish and i gotta do what i can and you know most of the time it works out sometimes it's not that great but it but it makes you a better fisherman and it, it's not necessarily you know i don't get to go and look for tournament fish every day but just you know on tough tournaments like this one where it was a struggle the first two days. Stuff that I found guiding and stuff that I learned guiding got me to the final day. I, I didn't. Uh, all right, fair enough. And, and the reason I asked about the uh, about the real estate was I, I just wanted to know if you ever made $235,000 in three days of selling real estate like you did fishing this past weekend. 
I'm not sure that I made two hundred thirty-five thousand dollars <laughs> in like six years selling real estate. <laughs> that is un- that is absolutely unbelievable. Put it put it in perspective, and uh, uh, you know what? I, I I joke around about this a lot. We talk about it, and, and I'm in awe of uh, this kind of money in Bassmaster Classic. You know, the World Series is on right now, and 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 all those guys. This is like the minimum, less than the minimum for a rookie to make for, you know, a season. And I go, man, oh, man, put it in perspective. These guys work really damn hard to make the kind of money that they do. You can't take anything away from them, these professional fishermen. They, they're worth every cent that they earn. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, the, the worst PTA golfer makes more than the best fisherman does on the pro circuit. So, you know, it's. You know, it is what it is. I mean, I don't think most people that get into pro fishing do it to get rich. They just want to make a living fishing because they love it, and that's kind of the way I am. I mean, you know, I make a living fishing, and, and I know I'm not I, – I, that's why I have two part-time jobs because I can't – you know, with guiding, i got 180 days a year, and that's it. There's no right. – you know, I don't get bonuses or there's no more days I can do, so i got to do something else. But this, you know, this payday really helps – with with fishing and like you know tournament fishing next year or whatever i can fish what i want to and not worry about it. if i don't get a check no big deal that's you know that's one thing that it allows me to do is is to be able to just you know not worry about it when i fished this year when i went to the north division i knew that it, it was going to cost a lot and i'm you know i'm like i gotta make some checks because it's costing me you know probably 10 grand to go up there and fish and also I, I had a little pressure to 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 make the championship sure. and also get some get some money back, but uh, it worked out perfectly. Excellent, absolutely excellent. Uh, I am I've been to Alabama once in my life. It was for the uh, the classic and the classic expo uh, two years ago, and uh, right. I, I I loved being down there. We we were out of Birmingham. You are actually you're from Hartzell, and I'm gonna guess that Hartzell is actually closer to Mobile. No, actually, we're north of Birmingham. I'm actually. I'm in a triangle. If you drew a triangle from Pickwick to Gunnersville to Smith Lake, I'm right in the middle. And those are the three lakes that I got on the most, mostly Pickwick and Smith. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be where I'm at. I can catch a five-pound spot today, a five-pound smallmouth tomorrow, and an eight-pound largemouth <laughs> the next day. And there's not many people that can do that within an hour of their house. Yeah, and, 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 and I'll fish the whole next year and never catch one of either of those three you just mentioned, you <laughs> lucky son of a gun. Hey, you know you know what the problem is with the area down there? There's just too many gosh darn professional fishermen moving there to be near that water. Everybody wants right. everybody wants your area to be their home water. It's amazing how many people have transplanted have become transplanted Alabamians and you know, the reason that they do is you know, obviously the fishing is so good all over the state and it's a it's a great central location to travel for professional fishing tournaments and all but I think most of them do it because they can work on you know you go to Tennessee River and work on power fishing or Smith Lake finesse stuff and you get like I said you can catch spots smallmouth largemouth and and you know, there's a lot of Alabamians that have made it big in pro fishing that started in Alabama. Obviously, um, you know, there's you look at the roster of the elite series or the Bass Pro or MLF or whatever. There's a lot of people in Alabama that are way up there and, and really good fishermen. And it, I think it's because you have to be versatile here uh, if you're going to compete and, and and win just local tournaments. Certainly, certainly, and, and versatility is what is what pays, and versatility uh, is, is what makes you a tournament winner. 
there's there's a lot of guys. You know, I, I know guys that guide on uh, on Lake Fork in Texas, and they make a lot of money guiding, and they're really good, and they can go out with clients and and and, and put them on big fish. And then they hope that a tournament ends up on Fork Water. They know because they're not versatile enough to do a tour thing and go out on three or five tournaments and fish different styles and different techniques and different equipment. Uh, it's the same thing with a guy who uh, makes his home water Gunnersville and fishes Gunnersville every day. That makes it awfully tough for you when you got to go north to do one of those smallmouth tournaments. It's nice to get. I mean, I'm not saying you got to you got to fish all over the country all the time, but where you are on the different lakes and the different waters you are makes you a more versatile fisherman. That's a big bonus for your fishing career. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, I, I can, I've. There's not many scenarios that I can go across the country that I haven't seen at home. I mean. You know, the Great Lakes are obviously a little different story, but as far as river fishing, we've got the Coosa River, the Tennessee River, and, uh, you know, Smith Lakes, Jim Clear, Deep. So, you know, you can you don't have to go far from where I imagine. You can cover most of the different types of water you're going to encounter. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. If somebody asked you, uh, and, and I'm sure they did, I didn't watch the way, and if they asked you, hey, what do you call your home water, would you pick one? I would say Pickwick. I spend more time on Pickwick than I do Smith, even though I love Smith Lake and have been there, have been fishing it basically my entire life, and probably a little bit longer than I have Pickwick. But I have I love catching smallmouth, and you know it is a world class smallmouth fishery. And I mean, it's their days. Saturday was one of them. They're just incredible. And you know, in the summertime, it's a great ledge lake for largemouth. I mean, I, my biggest fish ever came from Pickwick was 9-15 oh. on like July the 5th in the summertime, you know. And and I've had days my, catching smallmouth that have been out of this world. So I would go with Pickwick for sure is my what, favorite. What's your biggest smallmouth? My biggest one is six and a half and... The biggest, I, ha, I lost one. I caught a 626 one day in a tournament and lost one that would have eaten it. I mean, it was like an eight pound ride. <laughs> oh. Only oh. time I've ever seen one that big and, and uh, he'd come off. And, I, you know, it was, like I said, I knew it was big because I had one that was 626 in the boat. But I had a day guiding our best five smallmouth, me and one client weighed 29.6. I had three six pounders in the same day. That's That was the best day ever. Oh man, six and a half, six and a half pounds of trophy. Uh, any state that has smallmouth, six and a half pounds of trophy, uh, without a doubt. We start talking bigger than that, it starts like we're we're talking something out of science fiction for Pete's sake. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking nine, fifteen on a largemouth. How tempted were you to maybe shove a minnow in its mouth when it was up on that scale? <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought about. It. I'm like, no, I'll just keep it honest. And- and but then again, then after I, I just got some scales, and I think my scales weigh light, so I actually it's probably over ten. But officially, when I weighed it, it said nine fifteen, so I just stuck with it. You know what? The 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 best fishermen don't fudge those numbers at all. If if you if you went out and you caught twelve in a day, you caught twelve. It wasn't twenty. If you caught a nine fifteen, it's a nine fifteen. It's not a ten. I I respect that, and I think that's the way it ought to be. I want to take a real quick break. Uh, I let our sponsors have a word. We come back. I want to dissect your season, dissect the uh, uh, Toyota Championship on Pickwick Lake, and talk to you about your sponsors, your guide business. We are We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. I am here with Brent Crow, Toyota Championship winner. We will be back in just a minute. 
You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of bait. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sertley. Dave Kranz is my partner, but he's not here. He's remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Don't forget to check us out on social media. We're easy enough to find on places like Facebook. Please contact us, follow us, share us, like us, do all those things that help us out. You guys are great. We appreciate it. Speaking of great, Brent Crow. Uh, also one of the coolest names around. That is a that is a very cool name, Brent Crow. Did you change that for fishing for publicity, or is that the real deal? No, that's what's on the birth certificate. Uh, that's a good one. I like that. Hey, man, you said you fished northern. Your whole, you're, we're talking about uh, Pickwick and Smith and, and Guntersville down, down southways. Well, why did you sign up for the northern circuit on the Toyota series? Well, I had already signed up for the Bassmaster Opens and the, the southeastern division of the Toyotas. There was a, a conflict on one of the dates. And the, uh, the Opens this year went to Pickwick, Smith, and then Grand in Oklahoma. So I, you know, there wasn't no way I was missing that. But then I wasn't going to miss the Toyota Championship on Pickwick, so I had to do something. And it, it, you know, I've, I've been to uh, Champlain before, and I've been to St. Clair and Erie, and I love those places. But they, they really suit the way I fish. Yeah. And so I saw the schedule was July, August, and September, which is, you know, obviously 99 degrees down here every day, and the fish was not that great. So I... I uh, I didn't think you know, it wasn't really good. I wasn't going to miss my time guiding here, and uh, I thought I would have a chance to, to make it. And you know, I went I I went up there and, and probably put more effort into making the championship than I've ever done before, and it paid off. Yeah, I, I got off to a bad start at Champlain. I had a great practice, and then they just they just disappeared, and I wound up like 94th. And I'm like, oh god, now I really got to catch them in St. Lawrence and the Potomac. And then at the St. Lawrence, I finished sixth, and I went into the Potomac, I think, in 27th place. And, you know, I got to catch them to make it. And the first day, I lose a five-pounder and a couple other keepers and only weighed in three for eight pounds. And 
So the second day of the Potomac was the key day, and I wound up and, and caught 15 pounds, wound up 18th, and, and made it to the championship. But I, I, mean, I, I loved it in New York uh, this summer. I mean, as much as I love Pickwick, St. Lawrence is even better. It is it is truly smallmouth heaven, and I've, I'm, I'm going back next year and do the same thing. Just be, I mean, I, it, the fishing there is just unbelievable. The scenery is great. The people are great up there. And uh, and like I think I, the thing I do best is fish with my electronics. Garmin is one of my sponsors, and I've been running LiveScope and Panoptics for about six years. And it's you know it's truly made me a better fisherman, and, and it's it's what I that's what I like to do, and, and the St. Lawrence just set up perfectly to do that, and that was one of the reasons that I was able to finish six. The other reason was because I learned so much fishing current at Pickwick, and 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 the St. Lawrence every fish I caught, obviously there's a tremendous amount of current there, but it was stuff that I do on Pickwick just deeper. I I don't think they're ever going to pass uh, by the St. Lawrence again. Uh, so many people talk about that uh, like they're talking about being in church. And you look at who enters. There's guys that uh, there's guys that enter that as a one shot because they want to fish it. And, and we're talking about some of the biggest names in Major League Fishing and uh, and, and Bassmaster. If if that's an open weekend on the schedule, those guys will get in the car and make that long run up there because they want to fish for those fish. And Absolutely. Not, I mean, not it's, I it, call it smallmouth heaven. Yeah, they, they don't look at it as, hey, this is going to be easy check, because that might be the toughest event of the year, uh, and it's getting harder all the time. Yeah, you know, I knew I wasn't going to win after the second day with the Johnsons and Justin Atkins going to Lake Ontario, and I wasn't quite going to Ontario, so I knew I was fishing for fourth place. But, I mean, I had a blast there. Like I said, I wound up sixth, and, I mean, I, I, you know, it was just the experience and, and everything was just tremendous. And I don't know if I'll try to go to Ontario next year and try to win or not, but, you know, that's, that's, I, I was truly amazed at what they were able to do on Ontario and making that long run from Messina and catching that every day in like four hours, just un, unbelievable. Tell us about this past week, the uh, Toyota Series Championship presented by Guaranteed Rate at Pickwick Lake, three-day event. You started slow, uh, not not incredibly slow, but uh, for a frame of reference, you started slow, you sped up, and then you put the throttle down on the last day and nailed it. Uh, tell us how this thing transpired for three days. Well, when the, when the when I saw the schedule and saw that the championship was in late October, I, I had to get in the tournament because I figured out a deal a few years ago to catch fish in the fall, like, I mean, not just catch fish, but big weights of fish in the fall. And, you know, I hadn't had any opportunity to, to, to do it in a tournament, but I knew if the conditions were right, that I could catch a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of big smallmouth. I told I told all my buddies, like, if I can if I can make that championship and they don't run much water, I'm going to win. And, and, and I told them that six months ago before I even fished the trail. I'm like, I've got to make the championship. I'm Because if I do, I'm going to win. And so the the, uh, the whole the whole deal is the amount of current. Uh, I mean, it's no secret below Wilson Dam is where where you catch smallmouth in the spring and the fall. And you know, there's a lot of people that can do it, and, and there's all kind of stuff on the internet about it. You throw a swim bait in the current and whatever. And so I got a, a little deal that works when they don't run much water, catch them on top water, and. 
but it has to be no you know the current cannot be what it was all week of practice and the first two days of the tournament didn't get a chance to do it at all there was only about five or six people that fished at the dam in the tournament because of the fishing was so bad i mean the fish were up there they just wouldn't buy it for whatever reason and i know that everybody in the tournament practiced up there yeah but nobody was able to get it going on and you know like i said even me the first day at the dam i didn't catch a fish the second day i caught one and lost a three and a half pounder <laughs> that was the only two bites i had in two days but i knew that on friday night i looked at the tva website the generation schedule and it said the average for the day was going to be 44,000, which was down from about 55,000 the rest of the previous two days and the, and the whole week. And, and I thought, I told one of my buddies, like, if they're only going to average 44,000, there's a chance that they're not going to run to about 30,000 the first hour or two. And if that happens, I'm going to catch them. And so it was an hour drive or 45 minutes, 50 minutes from takeoff to the dam. I got there. The first thing I do, pull out the phone, check the app. It's 35,000. And for the next hour, I caught one or lost one. Every, just It seemed like every cast. It was the most chaotic oh. hour I've ever had in fishing. I mean, it, 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 I had a, I wound up, I had my fish, I think I caught and landed a probably 10 or 12 keepers. And I wound up the smallest one that I weighed in was three, I think 380, and the biggest one was 580. And it all happened in an hour. And, and I probably lost five do weigh 20 pounds in that hour as well and i mean if i catch everything that bites i, I would head over 25 pounds but i didn't need thank goodness i didn't need but what i had and you know after this what happened was they when i got there they were they were running 35,000 cfs or cubic feet per second and then at eight o'clock they turned it up to 41,000 and nine o'clock it was 52,000 and a little bit after nine o'clock my bite was over but thank goodness i had enough uh before the current got up and once current once once the current increased then then it was completely dead up there again just like it had been all week and what the funny part so that was the only day this fall that i would have had that opportunity they've run too much water every other day this fall and then that was on saturday well yesterday and today i would not have caught them because they ran too much water at daylight both days so that was the one hour that I that I could have caught those fish, and thank goodness it came on Saturday, day three. That is a great explanation, <laughs> and uh, you, you did you did really well explaining that. Uh, what what did you what were you using to get these fish in the boat? Rod, reel, line, and what were the baits that were working for you? I, I caught all of them on the same bait, which I threw on a uh, it's a new Abu Garcia Jordan Lee Signature Series jerk bait rod. Uh -huh. which I use for topwater. It's a six foot eight medium uh, ALX reel, fifteen pound uh, trialing mono, and a, Berk a uh, bomber long A, which is obviously used to be an old jerk bait, but we throw it like a wake bait. And you know it's a pretty common technique throwing throwing a wake bait, but there are times when it is by far the best bait you can throw and it was what they wanted on Saturday morning and, and that's what every fish came off of. That's, that is absolutely wonderful. Hey, yeah, you said you, you guide 180 days a year. When you're taking people out fishing, are there, uh, are there uh, setups, is there, are there equipment, are, is, there, is there equipment are there baits that you stay away from because you feel that a, a, a novice client isn't going to be as proficient, not going to have as good a day, and you try to, uh, this is not 
probably the right thing to say, but dummy it down for clients as opposed to you being a professional? Yeah, I mean, you know, I get all skill levels. I get people that can only throw spinning rods. And, you know, I've had people, we do corporate trips sometimes, people have never caught a bass. So, you know, you have to, you know, you can't sometimes do the, the best thing for that day to catch fish. You have to do the best thing your clients are able to do. And, you know, one thing about a wake bait is I can put it on a spin rod and you can throw it out there and reel it slow. I mean, it's pretty pretty uh, easy to do. And, you know, that's one of my go-to client uh, guiding baits as well. But, you know, it's, it, that's what I think some people think, well, you're guiding, you're just practicing for tournaments every day. And that's not the case at all. I mean, right, I right. Put no. people on fish. And, and like I said, sometimes, you know, if the best bait, if, if I need to be throwing a one-ounce football jig and I got somebody that can only throw a spinning rod, then that ain't going to work. So we got to make the adjustments and do what, what they can do to, to be able to catch fish. Talk about the three lakes, Gunnersville, Pickwick, Smith, all close to each other. Uh, is there similarity in the way you fish them? Like, let's say today, or let's say June 1st. Uh, you're, you're on Gunnersville, and you trailer the boat, you head over to Pickwick. You going to pick up the rod you had just been using on Gunnersville with the bait on it and, and try it there? Or you say, this bait's just not going to be right here. I'm not even going to attempt it. I know to, to fish different. It, Gunners on Pickwick can be similar, but but at Smith Lake usually it's totally different. So I, you know, most if I'm going from one Pickwick or Gunners with a Smith, and it's you have to retie everything every night, and then even in the in the springtime when you go from Gunners with a Pickwick, it's a lot of different stuff. And the only time it's really similar is in the summer. The ledge baits are pretty much the same, but you know I throw a top water on all three lakes a lot. I throw a Berkeley King Walker a lot on on all three and. Um, you know, there you can throw a chatterbait on Pickwick and Smith and uh, Gunners, but not Smith. And then I throw a shaky head a lot on Smith, but usually not on Gunners. Well, so you know, there's a lot of a lot of variety between the three lakes. Excellent, excellent, great answers. Couldn't couldn't make you hesitate on anything. You had it all right there, uh, and that's a great reason why you won this uh, magnificent uh, tournament down at uh, the Toyota Series Championship presented by Guaranteed Rate at Pickwick Lake. $235,000 top prize. Man, I am impressed. I know everybody listening is. We think you're great. You did a great interview, and and we we wish you the best of luck next season. Know you're going to be out there doing it again. Uh, I hope you can perform as well. And if I hear anybody that's uh, wanting to buy a house down in Alabama, I'll send them your way too. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate everything. Appreciate you having me on. It's it's been it's been a whirlwind three days, and, and so far there's no sign of it ending. And I, and I tell you what, I'm enjoying every minute of it. Brett Crow, you're the goods. Congratulations. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best time fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnston from St. Croix. John Cruz, Missile Bates, and Bassmaster Elites, and Brett Crow, winner of $235,000 in the Toyota Series Championship at Pickwick Lake. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, Daiwa. Don't forget, they've got your bass covered. Daiwa Reels, they are the best. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts. 
And don't forget, visit our website, wefishasa.com. We take all of your letters and emails there. So please talk to us. We love to hear from you. Wefishasa.com. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.